Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be reading pages 173 to 182 of the Four Crafts of the Devil's Kingdom, from protesters to priestcraft, and then we're going to get into section four, which goes into kingcraft, which is the last section of this book. Still got a lot to go through, but we'll get through it in time. Today, I'm just releasing a podcast. It's not going to be a uh, live radio program. And we're going to also listen to the reading of the program before we get into the reading and commentary portion of the program. The reading portion of the program is 14 minutes and 40 seconds long. So if you want to skip this part, just go about 16 minutes into the program and then we'll get into the reading part of the program. I have a... uh, driver test for my new job today at 5 p.m. and the podcast will drop at 6 p.m. and I won't be able to be um, on the studio to check for phone calls or to uh, to start certain things so we'll be back we'll be back on Friday and hopefully I'll be able to be on live that day So let's get into this. This is the reading portion of the program. I hope that you enjoy it. Here we go. From Protesters to Priestcraft, pages 173 to 182 of Four Crafts. Program notes for Wednesday, October the 26th, 2022. Starting at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Where do the priestcrafts of today come from? What happened to Christianity that it has veered so far off the path established by Christ? It is a story of intrigue and deception, sinister plotting, and covert operations and dash the equal of any motion picture production. John the Revelator saw the whole scenario long before it happened and tried to warn the people. He saw a great whore that sat upon many waters. She was the matriarch of all priestcraft and her father was the devil. This great mistress roams over the earth committing fornication with the kings of every nation. From these illegitimate alliances were spawned thousands of baby priestcrafters and dash all different, all raised in deception, and all becoming a disgrace before God. Many of these offspring were educated in excellent schools, trained by the most learned scholars, and graduated with honors. They were specialists in the knowledge of how to shear their sheep and dash learning that the more cunning they were in their craft, the richer they could become. So how did John's prediction actually come to pass? One of the strangest, yet most successful, illegitimate offspring of Mother Babylon became known as Rome. His beginnings originated from the superstition that his two founders, Romulus and Remus, were raised by wolves. It was a far-fetched tradition, but it was a good personification because Rome was sustained by robbery, plunder, kidnapping and rape. Rome was raced as a gang member and became the biggest bully in the neighborhood, 
As Rome grew in power, he formed an army that plundered and conquered other nations and a government with rulers from a continuous line of insane politicians called Caesars. Their entertainment consisted of witnessing the atrocious killing of Christians. Over the next several decades, conditions in Rome went from one extreme to the other. First they killed their Christians, then they slept with them, changed them, and joined with them. It was one of the most bizarre conspiracies ever pawned off on the innocent. Rome dressed up with all his pomp and splendor and played the role of a seducing king. He came with kindly words, rich presents, and alluring promises. He seduced and cohabited with the Church of Christ. Priestcraft was born and dash a blend of politics and religion and dash the most formidable force known for good or evil and dash but in this case it was evil. The Church of Christ became the Queen of Whores. The union of these two forces turned into a totalitarian kingdom that set out to change and rule the world and dash and indeed had a permanent effect upon all nations. In this grand merger, the Roman master taught the student church to force monogamy upon all its followers, or entice them into celibacy, but in any case plural marriages were absolutely not to be tolerated. Other arts, crafts, and laws were learned. For example, this growing kingdom made war upon other nations, and the killing of Gentiles became their most important activity. But Rome still had time to torture and destroy any of their own people who did not support the program. Many wicked and rebellious children, with traits of their wicked parents, protested against the system and its rulers, and decided to leave home. Out on their own they each took different paths, but they still carried with them the basic customs, teachings and the influences of their parents. These little protesters soon became priests and kings themselves and created crafts of their own making. Such are the priest crafts of today. God uses good people, the bad ones use God. Section 4 King Craft, for God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. We understand that we are to be made kings and priests unto God. I may become the father of many fathers, or the king of many kings. Journal of Discourses Kingcraft, Contents The Dangers of a Strong Government Page 177 The New American Religion Page 183 Kingcraft Extends to the Rocky Mountains Page 200 Under the Color of Law Page 212 Section 4 Kingcraft the dangers of a strong central government kingcraft, according to the definition given by Brigham Young, pertains to our political leaders and politicians. Actually the dictionary definitions also apply, a person or thing of great importance, position or power, and the art of ruling as a monarch. Our federal politicians certainly think they are of great importance in the art of ruling. They have assumed that whatever they do is right and should be appreciated and accepted by the people. Rather than serving as public servants, they assume the roles of masters and kings over the people. The constitution was designed to have checks and balances in order to prevent kingcraft. It was meant to be a government of the people, by the people and for the people, not a dictatorship of self-made kings. From becoming the greatest form of government among nations, our government has become, as Thomas Jefferson warned, as venal and oppressive as the government from which we separated. This section on politics will demonstrate how corrupt and apostate a good government can become in just a short time. 
This is evident by the way it has reacted toward God's people and laws and his kingdom on earth. Government has changed from the will of the people to the decadent sovereignty of kingcraft. The prophet Joseph pinpointed the time and conditions that our government began its decline, at the age, then, of 60 years, our blooming republic began to decline under the withering touch of Martin Van Buren. Disappointed ambition, thirst for power, pride, corruption, party spirit, faction, patronage, perquisites, fame, tangling alliances, priestcraft, and spiritual wickedness in high places, stuck hands and revel in midnight splendor. No honest man can doubt for a moment but the glory of American liberty is on the wane, and that calamity and confusion will sooner or later destroy the peace of the people. Speculators will urge a national bank as a savior of credit and comfort. A howling pseudo-priesthood will plausibly push abolition doctrines and doings and human rights into Congress, and into every other place where conquest smells of fame. Political ambition has probably lead to more wars, destruction and death than any other force, yet it seems to be the most sought-after power. The unfortunate part of this sad story is that political power always seems to get into the hands of the very people who shouldn't have it. Political ambition was the power that the devil himself sought for. His greatest pride was claiming to rule over all the governments and nations of the world. He said to Jesus, all these things, kingdoms of the world, will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. See Matt. 4, 8-10. History has shown that every great nation that has risen in power and riches has soon lost it all. What nation of the past has not risen to greatness only to eventually lay in ashes and rubble? Furthermore, whenever God has had his kingdom established on the earth, the devil is there to destroy it. Joseph Smith noticed this, in relation to the kingdom of God, the devil always sets up his kingdom at the very same time in opposition to God. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, the writings and teachings of the reformers, the discovery of America, the coming of the pilgrims, the American Revolution, the writing of the Constitution, and the restoration of the gospel were the fulfillments of prophecy, and were inspired of God. The men who had a part in these historical events sacrificed blood, sweat, tears and even life itself. They paved the path for others to follow and dash the path of freedom and liberty. America became the light of the world, but did not achieve that status without acquiring a few enemies along the way. The leaders of despotism were envious and became a threat to that sacred liberty. The founding fathers of America realized this, and Jefferson warned that the last hope of human liberty in this world rests on us. Jefferson knew, as few men have ever known, that the most dangerous force against the freedom of a nation is its own government. He warned Americans against this power that could bring America down to the same level when he said, centralized government leads to dictatorship. Our country is too large to have all its affairs directed by a single government. Public servants at such a distance, and from under the eye of their constituents, must, from the circumstance of distance, be unable to administer and overlook all the details necessary for the good government of the citizens, and the same circumstance, by rendering detection impossible to their constituents, will invite the public agents to corruption, plunder and waste. And I do verily believe, that if the principle were to prevail, of the common law being in force in the United States, it would become the most corrupt government on the earth.
What an augmentation of the field for jobbing, speculating, plundering, office building and office hunting would be produced by an assumption of all the state powers into the hands of the general government. Let the general government be reduced to foreign concerns only, and let our affairs be disentangled from those of all other nations, except as to commerce, which the merchants will manage the better, the more they are left free to manage for themselves, and our general government may be reduced to a very simple organization, and a very inexpensive one. A few plain duties to be performed by a few servants. When all government, domestic and foreign, in little as in great things, shall be drawn to Washington as the center of all power, it will render powerless the checks provided of one government on another. His statements have become more of a prophecy than a declaration. Most politicians want to get into office to gain wealth and popularity. They consider themselves as little kings rather than public servants. Our nation gets more and more bound down with laws, codes and regulations. One year Congress passed 70 laws, and the government made over 7,000 rules and regulations which are called laws. If this continues for a few years, the government will be even larger in order to enforce all those laws, and the people will have very little freedom left. The best weapon against an oppressive government is the Constitution. Thus, in proportion to the destruction of the Constitution will be the rise of oppression and dictatorial rule. Politicians seeking for more power and more money are the most dangerous threat to the Constitution. Mormons, more than any other people in America, have reason to defend and support the Constitution. The Prophet Joseph Smith said, I am the greatest advocate of the Constitution of the United States there is on the earth. In my feelings I am always ready to die for the protection of the weak and oppressed in their just rights teachings of the prophet joseph smith how much more sublime were joseph's views than those of our politicians today who seek to destroy it he also declared hence we say that the constitution of the united states is a glorious standard it is founded in the wisdom of god it is a heavenly banner it is to all those who are privileged with the sweets of liberty like the cooling shades and refreshing waters of a great rock in a thirsty and weary land it is like a great tree under whose branches men from every clime can be shielded from the burning rays of the sun. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith The Constitution was created for two main purposes, one, to control the power and size of government, and, two, to offer protection for its citizens. The Prophet Joseph realized this and said, All men who say that Congress has no power to restore and defend the rights of her citizens, have not the love of truth abiding in them. We have learned of the struggle of the early saints in defending the U.S. Constitution and at the same time have seen politicians subtly destroying it and usurping power and stripping away the wealth of the people. Prophecy abounds describing the final destruction of the American government through the wicked works of corrupt politicians. Correspondingly, there are numerous prophecies of the rise of the kingdom of God upon the earth. We are standing at this critical time as witnesses to the first condition, and possibly to the second as well. Okay, so that was the reading portion of the program. Uh, if you want to read along with that portion of the program, you can go to the link in the description of the podcast, and at the very bottom there's a link called YouTube. And what that is is a screen... A screenshot or a screen recording of 
the reader program that I use. So it'll have the words and everything there and it'll read it to you as you, as you, uh, you know, listen to it. Um, unfortunately that video on YouTube doesn't have any of this commentary. So this is the podcast part of it. I'd call that notes, um, from pro protesters to priestcraft. And I've literally got, I don't know, thousands of videos. I know it's over a thousand there. There's a lot of content on that channel. And, uh, I can't remember the link to the channel. Um, I think it's uh, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash God is my compass. But the channel name's called Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Anyway, I have an hour and a half until I have to go um, before I have to leave to drive to where I'm going to be doing the road test. So I'm probably not going to be doing as much commentary as I would like, but let's get into this. So this is the reading and commentary portion of the program. And we're uh, just about 18 minutes into the program. And like I said, I'm not going to do a live radio show today because during the time that I would be doing the program and having to be on the studio, I'll actually be driving a, um, a tanker semi-truck over Indian Pass, um, over to Duchesne and, uh, doing my driving test for this company. I'm just waiting for my background checks to come back from the federal government so I can get my hazmat and, I have had my hazmat before because I've hauled hazardous materials um, and I used to work in the oil field. So this is a, a bit of a change. I'm a little bit worried about the hours that I'll be working because 14 hours a day and then only 10 off. Um, that's going to have me not able to like drive home every day because it's 45 minutes from my house to the yard. And that's, you know an hour and a half of driving every day and an hour and a half uh, just to come home and then uh, sleep for eight hours and then run back out. That puts me at, uh, what, ten and a half hours? Well, no, let me think. That put me at nine and a half hours. I could do it, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'll be working four days on, and I will be taking four days off with the... uh, with the exception of when they need me to cover for somebody and then I might work four days and then maybe a fifth day. Uh, maybe I might take, um, if if I have time available, uh, work for two days in the middle of my days off. But uh, that's fine because my goal right now is to get completely out of debt and... Uh, that won't be too hard uh, with working the, these hours. And it pays $250 a load. It takes all of 14 hours to get those, uh, to get two loads, and that's $500 a day. So it's basically doubling or over doubling my pay. And even if I only get one load, that's, and it takes 10, 12, 13, 14 hours to get that load because of bad conditions. Um, 
I, that's all I make anyway, uh, since I started with this new guy. So I took a huge pay cut when I left that other company because of harassment. And, uh, in the time I've been with this other guy, I have lost, if you, if you take the trajectory, the trajectory of my, um, how much I make, I've, I've basically lost between $4,500 to $5,000. And uh, that's why I'm doing this. Cause I, I need to like, I can't sustain this. Uh, the, the guy wasn't honest with me about how much he paid me. And in fact, I used to work for him two years ago and I was looking at my old pay stubs and I made more per load back then than I do now. And he said that, um, that he make he leased onto a, a different company and he makes more in his pocket, but he pays less to me. So I don't know why he thinks he can do that, but whatever, I'm done with it. All right. <coughs> Let's get into this. From pro protesters to priestcraft, pages 173 to 182 of the four crafts of the devil's kingdom. Also, uh, in the link to the, the description of the podcast, you'll find a link to the video or to the well to the video, the YouTube video. Like I said, it's in the bottom. Um, and then you'll find a link to just reading this portion that we're reading today uh, on Tumblr. And then you'll find a link to reading the full book if you choose to. Uh, and all of that's for free. I provide that all for free as well as this podcast. It's all free. It's just a work that I do uh, for God to teach the people, the elect. Program notes for Wednesday, October 26, 2022, starting at 6 p.m. Mountain, uh, Mountain Time. And like I said before, I try to drop a program or do a live program Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6 p.m. Where did the priestcrafters of today come from? What happened to Christianity is that it veered so far off the path established by Christ it is a story of intrigue and deception, sinister plotting and covert operations, the equal of any motion picture produ uh, production. John the Revelator saw the whole scenario long before it happened and tried to warn the people. He saw a great whore that sat upon many waters. And why is it called the whore? This is my commentary. Because as the children of Christ, we are supposed to be the bride of Christ. And when we pledge our allegiance to another husband or a mistress or a, uh, I don't know what you call mister. <laughs> um, we're cheating on our husband. In early Christianity, it was hijacked by ba Babylonian businessmen or pagans from Rome and uh, it was altered and it became uh, the whore of all the earth because we're supposed to be the bride of Christ and it gave in to Rome and in fact the early Christians who tried to keep the, the true covenants without altering them and try to follow Christ as he led them They were all killed. Rome made it 
illegal for people to worship and take a day off on the correct Jewish Sabbath, which is Friday night to Saturday night. It wasn't changed when Christ was crucified. He was crucified in the year 28 AD, uh, Wednesday of that year in the evening was Passover and he was, and that's the high and holy Sabbath. And he was crucified before the sun set on Wednesday evening of the year 28 AD in the month of, I think it's Nisan, which is it, the Jewish calendar and the Gregorian calendar. They don't match up. But anyway, so we know what day it was. And uh, he was in the tomb Wednesday night to Thursday night, Thursday night to Friday night, and Friday night, which is the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath, to Saturday night. And he was resurrected shortly after the end of the Shabbat on what would have been to the Jews the new day, which would have been the first day of the week, not Sunday morning, because he wasn't in the tomb Friday night, or he wasn't in the tomb Friday night to Sunday morning. That's one and a half days, not three days and three nights. And he wasn't in the tomb for three days and four nights. That would have been Sunday morning, which would have been the first day of the week, according to the reckoning of the Jews, who was actually resurrected on the first day of the week, according to the Hebrew understanding, which began shortly after sundown on Saturday evening, according to our understanding. But it was changed by Rome because uh, they were trying to honor the pagan god, um, the fish god. I can't remember what his name is right now because that was a Friday evening thing. And then... Sunday was an Apollos thing. That was another god that they were trying to honor, which basically, as they were hijacking Christianity, they were inserting all of these pagan ideas into the program where Jesus never taught it. So, like, not only did the Bride of Christ, the church, Pour itself off after Rome, it allowed Rome to influence its teachings, which have permeated the whole of the Christian world. And that's like, and they make all kinds of excuses for this. And if you want to really get into a good study of trying to understand the Hebrew roots of the New Testament, uh, and even get in, getting into the, the Torah and trying to understand that, because remember, Jesus didn't have the New Testament. He taught from the scriptures, and the scriptures were the Tanakh, which is the the Torah, the Ketuvim, and the Nevi'im, or the Tanakh. That was the scriptures. You call it your Old Testament, but that's all Jesus had to teach from. The New Testament wasn't compiled till many, many, many years after Jesus. Anyway... Let me uh, get back into the reading. He saw a great whore that sat upon many waters. She was the matriarch of all priestcraft, and her father was the devil. 
this great mistress roamed over the earth committing fornication with the kings of every nation or the governments of every nation. From these illegitimate alliances were spawned thousands of baby priestcrafters, all different, all raised in deception, and all becoming a disgrace before God. And he's talking about all of the Protestant and Reformation movements that were not uh, done by prophecy or by the will of God. They were people like Martin Luther and John Calvin and Wesley and... Uh, these people, and I like them. I'm glad that they protested and rejected the authority of the Catholic Church. But they took many of the false traditions that were uh, promulgated by the Catholic Church, the false and misleading doctrines of men, and they instituted them within their different religions. Now you've got all kinds of different denominations and they will, you know, they all, they all pick and choose. It's like a big cafeteria buffet. They all pick and choose what doctrines they want to believe and what, which ones they want to push, and they invent new doctrines uh, according to the false interpretation of Scripture, which is, and none of them are prophets, so they don't know. You know, and the only way you can really understand Scripture, like I've said before, is you ask God and he gives it to you as you study it out and then you get confirmation of the Holy Spirit uh, to confirm the truth of the interpretation that you that you have and you ask God for guidance and inspiration. James chapter 1 verse 5 says if you lack wisdom ask God and he will give it to you but don't be like a a boat tossed to on the on on the sea like be firm in your opinion take it to God ask God and then he speaks to our minds into our heart. And how does he do that? Well, as we study things out, he whispers inspiration to us and tries to correct us along the way, especially if we're asking him to help us. And we come to a firm conclusion about what we believe about the scriptures, about an interpretation. And then we go to God in prayer, like I said, and we ask God and then we receive a revelation or inspiration accompanied by um, the fruit of the Spirit, which is P Galatians 5, 22 and 23, peace, joy, love, and these type of things. And then as we turn to God and we tell him what it is that we believe, if we come to a firm conclusion, we tell him what we believe. And if it is correct, the Spirit will increase within us. That's how... He speaks to our minds and to our hearts. One is not good without the other. If you try to logic your way through the scriptures, you will be wrong. You will believe false doctrines, which are the false doctrines of men mingled with scripture. That's how that happens. People try to logic their way through things, but then people are manipulated by emotionalism and then like it's just a big mess anyway one without the other does no good it does no good to anybody each of us need to study these things out for ourselves and get revelation for ourselves so that we can know the truth of all things by the power and gift of god and the holy spirit which confirms the truth We cannot rely upon other men or women to 
lead us to truth. We've got to study it out, and it's okay to listen to whoever, you know, and step, but study it out for yourself and go to God because He's our parent and He wants us to go to Him, you know, to ask Him. And He's not going to lie to us like our normal, like our, our mortal parents, you know about Santa Claus, which is a lie, and about the Easter Bunny, which is a lie, and about all these things that our parents lied to us about because they think it's cute and funny. He's not going to do that. He's going to lead us to truth. His truth. His interpretation, which is the only interpretation that matters in Scripture. Many of these offspring were educated in excellent schools, trained by the most learned scholars, see they try to logic their way to the truth, and graduated with honors. They were specialists in the knowledge of how to shear the sheep. Learning that more cunning they were in the in their craft, the richer that they would become. So we're on page 174 for those of you who are reading along with me today. So these sheep shearing uh, ministers. These sheep shearing ministers like Joel Olstein and these these mega church people. Like, they know how to get money out of you. And it's it's all a production. And you know what? I don't really care for Joel Osteen. A lot of people do. But I do like T.D. Jakes. And T.D. Jakes has a super church. But that guy is on fire. I love that guy. Um, sometimes I'll share his videos on my uh, Facebook. Uh, which you can also follow me at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. If you want to see some of those videos, you can go to my wall and uh, just become my friend there. Send me a message too. Let me know who you are and why you're a uh, friend requesting me and I'll uh, see if I want to accept you. Anyway, how did John's prediction actually come to pass? One of the strangest yet most successful illegitimate offsprings of Mother Babylon became known as Rome. His beginnings originated from the superstition of his two founders, Romulus and Remes. And they were raised by wolves. That's the the false tradition. Of the, oh, man. I, I've done po- uh, podcasts, radio shows on, on Rome and where they came from. And, whoa, you should go back into... If you want to, you know, go and look at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon and you'll find 616 episodes, I think, because uh, this is episode 616 or 617. And uh, there's a lot of content. All of my stuff is between one to two hours long, sometimes up to three hours long. You know, a lot of content. But um, I, I've done programs on the birth of Rome and where Rome came from. Really interesting stuff. I think so anyway. It was a far-fetched tradition, but it was go- a good personification because Rome was sustained by robbery. It was actually born in robbery, plunder, kidnapping, and rape. 
Rome was raised as a gang member and became the biggest bully in the neighborhood. Like, it was just a bunch of men. They were thieves and robbers in the hills of where Rome became Rome. And, like, they didn't even have any women. So they had to kidnap women from the areas that they were plundering and have these sex slave women to have children with. And, like, that's the founding of Romulus and Remy's were the leaders of the gang. Basically, a huge gang in, in ancient times. That's the founding of Rome. As Rome grew in power, Rome formed an army that plundered and conquered other nations and a government with rulers from a continuous line of insane politicians called the Caesars. Their entertainment consists of witnessing the atrocious killing of Christians and other people. You know, like, as I study history, mankind disgusts me. Like, we all come from this, uh, from, you know, these people, and they are brutal for the most part. There's just a brutality in history that is so horrible. And Rome, as you study the history of Rome... Oh, so one of the things I like to do as a truck driver, I like to listen to documentaries and I'll listen to history documentaries and I've read a lot of books, a lot of books and just reading or listening to these documentaries. It's, it's disgusting how people can be so horrible to other people, you know, and that nature is still in us. It all takes, it takes an act like our government is currently being destroyed. And this has been a long process. This has been going on since the 50s. Well, actually, it's been going on a lot longer than that. But our government's currently being destroyed. And they're, they're intentionally cutting you off at the pump with your oil and your natural gas and your energy, your coal. Um, they're trying to shut things down. They're burning. They're, people are burning down food product, production facilities. It's not being covered by the news. It's happening. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. And there's going to be a collapse in this government. In fact, in 2016, God told me to leave Spanish Fork, Utah, where I'd lived for three years, and to move to Emory County. And that this is where I needed to remain and tell the people and warn the people that that this was like that we needed to have everybody needed to leave the populated areas and that the elect of God needed to gather to Emory County, Utah. God has showed me where he is going to have us go in the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places as Isaiah saw. And why will we go there? Because it will be too dangerous to remain even here. I live in a town with one stop sign. And in a county with one, like, four-way street, like, uh, I don't know what you call them, the, the traffic lights. We have one, you know, the one that has a red, a yellow, and a green. We have one in our county, our whole county. And in our town, the town that I live in, 
we have one four-way stop uh, intersection. Well, I don't actually live in a town. I live in uh, I live in the country, about two, three miles out of town, because I have a farm, you know. But um, but God told me that this is the gathering place, and that people needed to leave the populated areas. And I don't know how long it's going to take for all this to happen, but I do know it's coming. And anybody with eyes to see, and ears to hear, who doesn't believe the brainwashed. Um, propaganda that's coming out of this uh these enemies of the the constitution you know nightly news and the news people and all this corporocracy corporation corporations rule today but it's going to collapse and then when it collapses people are going to revert to their brutal nature and it will become very dangerous to remain even here in Emory County among these people down here in this place, let alone any populated area. Any pop, I'm talking about like even rural populated areas, it is going to be too dangerous to remain. But the elect of God will be led in the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places as Isaiah saw the elect of God being led or the remnant of his people. And I know the pathway because God has shown me that. Over the next several decades, conditions in Rome went from one extreme to the other. First, they killed the Christians. Then they slept with them, changed them, and joined with them. It was one of the most bizarre conspiracies ever pawned on the in, off on the innocent. Rome dressed up with all his pomp and splendor and played the role of seducing of a seducing king. He came with kindly words, rich presents, and alluring promises. He seduced and cohabitated with the Church of Christ. Priestcraft was born, a blend of politics and religion the most formidable force known for good or evil, but in this case it was for evil. The Church of Christ became the queen of whores. The union of these two forces turned into a totalitarian kingdom that was set out to change and rule the world and indeed had a permanent effect upon all nations. In this grand merger, the Roman master taught the student church to force monogamy upon all its followers or entice them into celibacy. See, Rome has a tradition of monogamy because they didn't have enough women. They had to go kidnap their women. So they made a rule amongst this gang that we're not going to allow one man to have more than one wife. It's going to be monogamous. That's the introduction of monogamy in in the history of the world. And it was born of necessity, but also because they didn't have women that, that would willingly stay with them. They had to go out and kidnap their wives, and they decided, well, nobody should have more than one wife because, like, they're pretty rare to have among us. So they just came up with this... Uh, this monogamy, and it didn't matter that in the Torah, God actually gives instructions on how to live and when to live polygamy. And that many of the patriarchs were polygamous. Like, I know that there's a lot of argument about how horrible polygamy is, 
Um, and they'll make people make excuses for like Abraham and Hagar. Oh, Hagar was just the maidservant. Basically, oh, Hagar was just the sex slave. And that was okay with God, but she couldn't have been an actual wife. Because we don't believe in polygamy because we do not believe the scriptures. And, and they'll find all kinds of ways to uh, to wiggle, wiggle out of it. But basically what they do is they say, well, Hagar was just a sex slave. She wasn't really a wife. No, Sarah was the wife, and Sarah had Isaac. But Hagar was not a wife. She was just a handmaid. So it's better in these people's eyes. (laughs) It's better in these people's eyes that God allowed Abraham to have a sex slave than for him to actually be married to two women. It's ludicrous. Now, Jacob, or Yehov, like, he married two sisters, and they were both his wives, right? So there's an obvious place for polygamy. And this is before uh, before the Torah or anything, but God allowed this. And, oh, but, but he had the handmaidens of his wives were their, their, their slaves, and they became his sex slaves. So he had two real wives and two sex slaves of of whom the 12 tribes of Israel or Jacob came from, which is asinine. They were not his sex slaves. They were his wives. Jacob had four wives and God did not condemn him at all for living polygamy. In fact, the only place in scripture where there is a condemnation of polygamy is that kings were not allowed to multiply wives or marry strange women, which means to marry heathen women. And there's a place in Jacob chapter 2 which talks about, um, you know, the abominations of David and Solomon. They were both kings. They multiplied wives and wealth unto themselves, which was against Torah law. And they lived in the time of the law of Moses, which, by the way, we still live in that time. Like, the the law of Moses is still applicable as the laws that were given from Mount Sinai to mankind, uh, to Moses. Like, those laws are still applicable. If they're true laws, there's a lot of things that were added and, and things that were taken away, too. Even though there's a warning in Deuteronomy that ta- says, you know, don't do those things. Don't, don't add to or take away from it, but there was things that were added by the Deuteronomists. But plural celestial marriage is the an elect, a law of, of the elect from God for the exaltation of his sons and daughters. Because if you're not sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, a one man to one woman then you cannot be one in God and receive your exaltation. You have to have that sealing of the feminine to the masculine. And because there are many more feminine who are the elect of God, who desire and qualify for those higher blessings, God allows plural celestial marriage. You can be sealed to the wicked and the wicked will not make it. 
there are fewer righteous men who these these elect righteous women can be sealed to for their exaltation. And I'm not just spouting off about some logic I came up with. I was actually asking God one day what he was before the Big Bang happened because I believed in that. And God showed me a massive vision. He took me up out of my body in the spirit and I stood next to him in the spirit and he showed me where we come from and he showed me so many things. Like it was like what Moses went through. I've I've seen so many things that God has showed me and he showed me why uh, the birth of the spirit and why the spirit ages and why these sealing ordinances are so important. He showed me the one heaven and the elect of God and he showed me so many things. And because there are many more elect feminine than there are masculine and they all need to be sealed to the masculine, God allows plural celestial marriage for the elect only. And only when he gives revelation for these things to be done. But Rome they made it illegal. They made it illegal to do a whole bunch of stuff that Christians were doing, like keeping the correct Sabbath. If you were caught in Rome after the destruction of Jerusalem trying to keep the Shabbat Friday night to Saturday night, you could be put to death. They were called idle laws. You're not allowed to be idle on the Sabbath. You have to work. And the early Christians kept the true Sabbath, the Shabbat. They also kept the Lord's Day. They would they would go to the synagogue with the Jews, and then in the evening at the end of Shabbat, they would meet together on the Lord's Day after sundown, and then they would have their meetings together. They kept the Sabbath, and they kept the first day of the week, which was the the day of resurrection because Jesus was resurrected on Saturday evening at the end of three days and three nights, not three days and four nights and not one day and two nights. He was resurrected. Like he said, he would be in the earth for three days and three nights. Continuing on. Let's see here. Other arts, crafts, and laws were learned from Rome. For example, this growing kingdom made war upon other nations, and the killing of the Gentiles became their most important activity. But Rome still had time to torture and destroy their own people who did not support the program. Many wicked and rebellious children with traits of their wicked parents protested, we're talking about the Protestants, protested against the system and its rulers and decided to leave home. Out of their own, out of their own, they each took different paths, but they still carried with them the basic customs, teachings, and influences of their parents. And this is why like after the apostasy, during the uh, the Reformation, 
like all of these churches began sprout, uh, popping up. I mean, you had the Eastern Orthodox Church in the beginning, you know, but then you started having the Anabaptists and uh, people who followed Luther and, you know, these different Protestant religions would pop up because they saw that there was something wrong with the Roman church, but then they took the traditions of Rome with them into their little Protestant religions. And what God needed was there to be a restoration with a true prophet that would begin to restore the truth. And God used Joseph Smith that Joseph Smith was foreordained to be this man to begin the restoration as one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way for the for the Messiah to come. First Messiah ben Joseph, but then also Messiah ben Judah. But he didn't get to finish the restoration because of the wickedness of the people. And even people like Sidney Rigdon, who believed Joseph Smith to be a true prophet, he brought in many heresies and and damnable doctrines of men into into the the restoration and people like Brigham Young and Heber C Kimball and these men they brought in these traditions with them and it perverted the uh, the uh, the restoration to some effect you know but Joseph Smith was trying to do a certain work and basically it was cut off because of the wickedness of the people and we've talked about DNC section 124 many times where I talk about the reason that the church was rejected as Jesus said it would be but many things were restored and there are still many things that have to be restored to the church God gave them as much as they could handle, but there's more. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not restoring them because they come from the rejected Church of Nauvoo, which Jesus said he would reject if they didn't do certain things, and they didn't. They were very negligent on doing what God asked them to do. And you know what? They're even negligent today. There's many things that God in the instructions that God gave us that which you can read in the Doctrine and Covenants that we as a people don't even care about doing, that we're not focusing on and that we ignore. And we say, oh, we don't have to worry about those things because that was for those people back then. But we're different. Like Jesus Christ was trying to restore the fullness of the gospel he was trying to give us all these things, and he never abrogated or d- did away with any of what he commanded the people to do. But the church rejects that truth. But they were rejected before they rejected the truth. Well, anyway. Let's see here. These little protesters, the Protestants, soon became priests and kings themselves and created crafts of their own making. Such are the priest crafts of today. God uses good people and the bad ones use God. So that's the end of section three, which is talking about priest craft. And now we get into section four, king craft. For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Psalms chapter 74, verse, verse 12. 
We understand that we are to be made kings and priests unto God. I may become the father of many fathers or the king of many kings. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 266. Kingcraft. Contents. The dangers of a strong government, which is going to be one podcast that we're going to do. And then uh, we might include this in the same podcast. We'll see the new American religion. And that will be on page 183. And then Kingcraft extends to the Rocky Mountains, which will be on page 200, which will probably be its own program. Because that's, that's, that's going to be a big one. That's going to be a long one. And then 12 pages later, we have Under the Color of Law, which will probably be its own program as well. So we'll probably be done with this book in two weeks. You know, as we go one one section at a time. Of course, if the section, sections are shorter, then, then uh, I might include two sections in one program. We'll just have to see. When we get to that point. So we're on page 177 if you are reading along. Once again, the link to reading the book is in the description of the podcast. And the link to reading just what we're going over today is also in a separate link in the program. If you want to read along with us, that would be great. If you're in the video on YouTube, we're about 4 minutes and 48 seconds into the video which is, uh, it's a screenshot of the, you know, the words and the reading of the words by the computer program. So, all right, section four, Kingcraft. The dangers of a strong central government. Kingcraft, according to the definition given by Brigham Young, pertains to our political leaders and politicians. Actually, the dictionary definition also applies a person or thing of great importance, position, or power. New International Dictionary, Volume 1, page 702. And the art of ruling as a monarch, which is the new, Web, new R. Webster's New World Dictionary, uh, 1982 edition, page 776. Our, polit- our federal politicians certainly think they are a great... They are of great importance in the art of ruling. They have assumed that whatever they do is right and should be appreciated and accepted by the people. Rather than serving the public as servants, they assume the roles of masters and kings over the people. The Constitution was designed to have checks and balances in order to prevent kingcraft. It was meant to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Not a dictatorship of self-made kings, but becoming or from becoming the greatest form of government among the nations of the earth, our government has become, as Thomas Jefferson warned, as venial and oppressive as the government which wit, from which we separated. Talking about the um, the monarchs of Rome, or I mean not Rome, of uh, of Britain and the oppression of Britain. Anyway, that's from uh, the book Wisdom of Thomas Jefferson by E. Boynkin, page thirty three, and we're on page one seventy eight. If you're reading along with us today. This section on politics will demonstrate how corrupt and apostate a good government can become in just a short time. 
This is evident by the way it has reacted towards God's people and laws and his kingdom on earth. Government has changed from the will of the people to the decadent sovereignty of kingcraft. The prophet Joseph Smith pinpointed the time and conditions that our government began its decline. At the age of then... At the age then of 60 years, our blooming republic began began to decline under the withering touch of Martin Van Buren. Disappointed ambition, thirst for power, pride and corruption, party, party spirit, factions, patronage, prerequisite, prerequisite, prerequisite fame, tangling alliances, alliances, Priestcraft and spiritual wickedness in high places struck hands and reveled in midnight splendor. No honest man can doubt for a moment that the glory of the American liberty is on the wane, and that calamity and confusion will soon or sooner or later destroy the peace of the people. And like we're kind of like a a frog boiling in a pot. We don't realize how much things have changed. And how wicked the government... I mean, we might realize it, but like if we went from the liberties of yesteryear and the beginning of the Republic and could see the corruption and the degradation of the people and the politicians, we would weep with horror for our children. Like we're more used to it and some of us are woke up, but there's so many people out there that just, they go along with the propaganda the Soviet-style type propaganda, which was um, a big thing. Like, when I was a kid, like, in the Soviet Union was a thing. Like, we, they talked about, oh, they're all brainwashed. They don't know anything. They only know what they're told. Well, we're getting to that point where these people who push their agendas, they they lie to us all the time all the time for power and profit it just came out yesterday or the day before that like these uh vaccine um companies they they would say oh if you get the vaccine to prevent covid it'll stop the transmission it's a hundred percent effective there was a whistleblower that just came out and he's like no we never even tested for that they just put that out there so that more people would get the vaccine and people are having vaccine injuries on on um, Katy Perry. She has ball palsy. Her face is is, um, is paralyzed on one side. Not completely, but like there are bad side effects. There are more deaths coming and the, the media will cover it up because they're pushing for the science. And the scientists will will lie to you because they work for Big Pharma. And the politicians that buy stocks in these companies and then ma- they mandate these laws and then these companies make huge profits and these politicians get rich off of those huge profits. Our system of government is so corrupt with these, these corporatist little lackeys that go in and they uh, 
I can't remember what they call them. It's right on the tip of my tongue. They go in and they basically push their agenda. They pay these politicians off. And then these politicians find out, like, what laws are going to be made. And then they they benefit off of that pre-knowledge, putting their money into stock markets, making hundreds of millions of dollars. They're paid like... I think the president of the United States is paid like $250,000 a year, which is nice, but it's not like money making you rich, you know, but people like Nancy Pelosi, like she's been in the Senate for a long time and she makes like 180,000 a year or something like that, but she's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And how do you do that? It's because these people they they know what's going on. They, they're pushing their agenda. They know, like, okay, if I put my money into these companies that were about to, you know, make laws and they're going to huge, have these huge benefits, we'll get rich on the stocks. And they'll launder money. Like, and I, I'm not even going to get into this. I follow this stuff, like, incessantly. God had me... Um, God's led me in different paths to to study certain things so that I see what's going on and he'll have me study certain topics for a while and then show me what's going on and like it's so hard to like wrap your mind around it and and a lot of people will throw their hands up in the air and they'll just say, they'll cry conspiracy theory because they don't want to know because it is so deceptive and so saturated within our government and our people that it's easier just to say oh that's that's just we don't have to worry about that that's just that's just a conspiracy theory you know but these are facts and if you speak the truth they will attend they'll try to shut you down in any way that we can they can to destroy you, to shadow ban you, to bankrupt you financially, to kill you outright if you get too close to the truth. Like the secret societies that permeate our culture are just horrible. From the from small secret societies up to government organized um, organized crime in the deep state. It is so bad and people just do not understand how bad it really is. Continuing on, spectators will urge a national bank as a savior from credit and comfort. A hireling pseudo-priest will possibly push abolition doctrines, abolition, abolition doctrines and doing the human rights into Congress into every other place where conquest smells of fame. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 6, page 203 and 204. Political ambition has probably led to more wars, destruction, and death than any other force. And you know what? Like, they make money off of that, too. They push these wars. They buy the stocks in these military-industrial complexes, which get massive funding from the government, and then the politicians get rich off of war. 
uh, off of the military industrial complex, which Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was a four-star general in World War II and, and a president of the United States, he warned about the military industrial complex because he had first-hand knowledge of it. Continuing on, yet it seems to be the most sought after power. The unfortunate part of this sad story is that political power always seems to get into the hands of the very people who shouldn't have it. Political ambition was the power that the devil himself sought for. His greatest pride was claiming to rule over all of the governments and nations of the world. He said to Jesus, all these kingdom, all these things, speaking of the kingdoms of the world, will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me? See Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. We're on page 179. History has shown that every great nation that has risen in power and riches has soon lost it all. What nation of, pa- of the past has not risen to greatness only to eventually lay in ashes and rubble? Furthermore, whenever God has had his kingdom established on the earth, the devil is there to destroy it. Joseph Smith noticed this in relation to the kingdom of God. The devil always sets up his kingdom at the very same time in opposition to God. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 365. The writings and teachings of the Reformers and the discovery of America, the coming forth of the pilgrims. You know, it's interesting about that. My wife, her maiden name is, uh, is Carver. And her great uncle was the captain of the Mayflower. Her great uncle didn't have any kids, but her great grandfather did. And she is a direct descendant of those pilgrims, which I think is cool. But you know, what is even cooler. Like my family was here before the pilgrims got here. Well, not only because, well, we're both native American, uh, percentage like 16 percent or something like that it's a small number or was it one sixteenth i'm iroquois indian uh or i have iroquois heritage and she has um comanche or apache or something like that. i always forget <coughs> excuse me but anyway continuing on The American Revolution, the writing of the Constitution, and the restoration of the gospel were the fulfillments of prophecy and were inspired of God. The men who had a part of these historical events sacrificed blood, sweat, and tears, and even life itself. They paved the pathway for others to follow. The path of freedom and liberty. America became the light of the world but did not achieve that status without acquiring a few enemies along the way. The leaders of despotism were envious and became a threat to the sacred liberty. The founding fathers of America realized this, and Jefferson warned that the last hope of human liberty in this world rests on us. And quote, Wisdom of Thomas Jefferson by E. Boykin, page 3. 
Jefferson knew, as few men have ever known, that the most dangerous force against the freedom of, of a nation is its own government. He warned Americans against this power that could bring America down to the same level when he said, quote, centralized government leads to dictatorship. Our country is too large to have all its affairs directed by a single government. See, states' rights, are, are sh- they're supposed to be more powerful than federal the federal government, except they're in certain areas. But it, the, the federal government flipped flipped to have more power over states' rights in the Civil War because of the slavery issue, but there was more to it than that. Abraham Lincoln usurped authority that he didn't have. Uh, there's more to the Civil War than just the slavery issue, and the slavery issue was a big deal. It needed to be, ta- it needed to be taken care of, but the power of the federal government over the states at that time be- it became too large. And they have taken that power and they have usurped authority over the states, changing the Constitution, changing, like, who elects the senators, like, uh, just a ton of stuff. They have destroyed our Constitution and they have become too big and too powerful. And it's sad. They have become the big bully on the block. Creating wars to get their politicians rich and their their corporate donors rich. Like we are not a country of the people, by the people and for the people right now. We are a company of the politicians, by the corporations, of the the secret uh Orders, the orders of darkness that control the world. The deep state conspirators who destroy people who make waves and and declare truth. This government is so, so completely wicked. And it will collapse and it will be destroyed under the weight of its own wickedness. But they want this country to be destroyed. They are systematically taking your rights away from you and they are systematically taking your things away from you. Their goal is to decrease the population of the planet by in orders of magnitude, getting it down to about 500 million people, which means that that most of the people on the earth have to die. And how are they going to do that? They're going to use chemicals in your body that they're going to inject into you or feed you to cause... It's called... So the Nazis, they, they practiced a hard kill method for depopulation to get rid of certain people. We're currently undergoing a soft kill, so people don't realize what's going on. And people like Katy Perry or um, Justin Bieber that are having these problems because of the the chemicals, that they, the experimental chemicals that they injected into them, they're having all kinds of issues 
because of those things. But you don't have any idea how many people have died because of these chemicals. When the, when the pandemic first started, I think it was March of 2020, I was I was pretty scared, you know? Like, we had a package from China come, and, like, when they brought it to to us it was a big one it was a it was a like a 30 foot by 15 foot greenhouse all packed it was from china well <laughs> you better believe we did not touch that dang package for like days and days and days and we lysoled the crop out of it you know because the propaganda coming out of china was that that like the apocalypse was happening people were dying left and right and there was like this zombie apocalypse if you remember the news and you remember the footage they fearmongered the crap out of this virus and so i went to god and i was like you know i know you told us to move here but um and they're going to have this vaccine eventually. And I wanted to know what God, what God's word was on it. And he said that the va- or that the, the virus will be dangerous, but it's not as bad as what they're proclaiming it will be. But the cure will be worse, will be much worse. Because once they get these chemicals into you, you're on, um, unless God heals you, God can't heal you. He has the power to do that. But as you take these chemicals into you and your family is, is seeing the effects of these things within the family, like, okay, so this is one of, oh, I can't do this. I got 26 minutes till I have to leave. So I just got to get to the reading. But you know what? I might have to cut it short and just have you read on your own if I can't make it through this. But I got to talk about this because it's important. A lot of people are having problems with the fact that the presidency of the LDS church is pushing the, the vaccine mandates and trying to get people to you know, be good global citizens and good world citizens and, like, do all these things that the scientists say, like, without getting any kind of revelation on on what God would have us say, because they don't get that. But here's the problem. All of these lackeys that, that like, basically defend the church and have these apologia, apologists for the church and try to, like, explain away every all these bad decisions of the presidency of the corporation known as the Corporation of the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, here's the problem. Most of the members think that that the president of the LDS Church is telling people they need to get the vaccines. And so they're taking their families out and they're going out and getting the vaccinations. And, uh, and this, like... What I'm talking about now would get me banned on YouTube. So that's one of the reasons I don't put this stuff on YouTube anymore. Blog talk is is way better about letting me speak my mind and speak the truth. But um, so these families are getting these vaccinations and then there's vaccina- vaccination injury. 
and people are are like they're saying to themselves in the LDS church the president of the church said it was safe and effective like he told us we should get this we needed to be good global citizens and we followed him because we follow the flesh rather than God because he's the prophet and he tells us what to do and when the thinking is done by the prophet, the, 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 the thinking has been done. And we don't need to think for ourselves, which is just wickedness in the extreme. So they go and they trust their leaders and they get these, these, this injection and these chemicals that are experimental in their, in their system. And then people are getting vaccine injuries and people are dying because of it. And, and it is destroying the faith that these people have in the restoration. Because they put their trust in a man instead of following God themselves. And these individuals who had confirmation that Joseph Smith is a true prophet and the Book of Mormon is true and the restoration is true and all of these things, they deny the Holy Spirit that testified these things to them because they put their faith in men who let them down. Who destroyed their faith. But the faith was in the wrong place to begin with. It never should be in your leaders. One of the great sins of the LDS church and the, the, the saints, the, the followers of the LDS church, is that they make their leaders into idols. And they worship their leaders. And their leaders do not have the authority that they claim to have because the church was rejected in 1843 as prophesied by Jesus to Joseph Smith in 1841, January of 1841. Joseph Smith uh, was recorded by Lyman White as, as saying the church has now been rejected with its dead in 1843. Like, the church would love to get rid of Brigham Young because he was such a horrible racist and all the things that they have to say and all the false doctrines, which is weird because he was president longer than any other president of the church. And they say, oh, he led the church astray and so many false doctrines and false ideas and false thoughts and opinions and blah, blah, blah. But but yet, the, pro the president of the church can never lead you astray. Oh, we'll never lead you astray. Oh, but Brigham Young. Oh, the only reason they have to keep him is because they get their authority through him. Because he got the fullness of the priesthood and all the kings, keys from Joseph Smith in the red brick store. Even though Jesus said, build this temple where the most high, the father can come to other and that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away from the fullness of the priesthood. So the father had to come restore the priesthood in a temple that they built, not the red brick store. And when Joseph was murdered, they were working on the second story of the temple. It had not yet been finished. Joseph Smith never was given the keys of the fullness of the the, the priesthood or, or any of that because the father never restored it. So if Joseph Smith didn't have it, how could, he, how could he give it to Brigham Young, you know, for his authority claim? 
he didn't get the fullness of the priesthood in the red brick store because Joseph couldn't have given it to him because it had not yet been restored by the father because the temple was not finished and never really fully was finished. The Shekinah glory that rested upon the Kirtland temple, the angels, the manifestations of God in that place, never happened in Nauvoo because by the time 1846 rolls around and they finished it, but not really, they never really finished it, but that they never finished it. The Father never came to restore the fullness of the priesthood. Jesus never even visited that temple. No angels of God ever came to that temple. And the Shekinah glory of God that rested upon Kirtland Temple in Ohio and upon the tabernacle in the wilderness and upon the temples of God in the old world, it never rested upon Nauvoo and it has not rested upon any temple since. None. I'm not talking about, oh, there was a light on in the temple, but there was no power in there. And No. The Shekinah glory of God is the glory of God that rests upon a person or a place that is holy. It isn't, oh, there was light on, we saw there was light, something could be a flashlight on in the temple. Oh, but there was nobody in there, but there was a light. That has never happened in this, in this time of the rejection of the church after 1843 to this point has not happened in any temples of God. I don't care what branch of the restoration you come out of. I don't care where you think you get your authority from because Brigham Young didn't have it. None of the leaders that came out of Nauvoo had it because the church had been rejected with their dead and all they who hinder this work would be cursed to the third and fourth generation which would be up to 160 years from 1843 to 2003 the fullness of the priesthood was not on the earth and there were no prophets who could be called the Lord's anointed but the church has to like, they can't reject Brigham Young completely because they need their authority to come through him. But it's all a lie. It's been a lie. And the restoration has gone through an apostasy. They are in iniquity because they changed the laws and the ordinances that God gave as part of the restoration. The church that we have today does not resemble the church that Joseph Smith was trying to restore. And on top of that, he was cut short. The restoration was not complete. I have less than 20 minutes. I've got to get through this and we still have, oh, we're only at 68%. So I've got 32% still to go. So let me just get through this. Our country is too large to have all its affairs directed by a single government. Polit uh, public servants, politicians, as at such a distance and from under the eye of their consti uh, constituents must, for, from the con circumstances 
of distance be unable to administer and overlook all of the details necessary for the good government of the citizens. And the same circumstances by rendering detection impossible to their constituents will invite the public agents to corruption, plunder, and waste. And I do verily believe that if the principle were to prevail of a common law being in force in the United States, it would become the most corrupt government on the earth. What an argumentation of the field for jobbing, speculation, plundering, office building, office hunting would be produced by an assumption of all the state's powers into the hands of the central government. Let the general government be reduced to foreign concerns only and let our affairs be dis- disentangled from those of all other nations except as to commence, which the merchants will manage the better, the more they are left free to manage for themselves and our general government may be, may be reduced to a very simple organization and a very inexpensive one. A few pa- uh, plain duties to be performed by a few servants. When all government, domestic and foreign, in little as in great things, shall be drawn to Washington as the center of all power, it will render powerless the checks provided of one government on another. Wisdom of Thomas Jefferson by Boykin, page 32 and 33. His statements have become more of a prophecy than a declaration. Most politicians want to get into office to gain wealth and popularity and power. They consider themselves little kings rather than public servants. Our nation gets more and more bound down with laws, codes, and regulations. One year, Congress passed over 70 laws, and the government made over 7,000 rules and regulations, which are called laws. And if this continues for a few years, the government will be even larger in or have to be even larger in order to enforce all of these laws or rules. And the people will have very little freedom left. Page 181, if you're reading along with me. The best weapon against an oppressive government is the Constitution. Thus, in proportion to the destruction of the Constitution will be the rise of opposition and dictatorial rule. Politicians seeking for more power and more money are the most dangerous threat to the Constitution. Mormons, more than any other people in America, have the reason to defend and support the Constitution, but but you have Judas goats even within Mormonism. Mitt Romney, that carpet-bagging, power-seeking politician who is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, which is one of the arms of the Bilderberg Group, which is the Congress of the Illuminati, These people are disgusting, and they have in, in they have gotten into into all churches and all religions. He may have been raised a Mormon, but his father was raised a Mormon too. But they became corrupt politicians. 
He is corrupt as all hell. This man. And this corruption has gone throughout the whole entirety of the church. The prophet Joseph Smith said, I am the greatest advocate of the Constitution of the United States there is on the earth. In my feelings, I am always ready to die for the protection of the weak and and oppressed in their just rights. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 326. How much more sublime were Joseph's views than those of our politicians today who seek to destroy it? He also declared, quote, Hence we say that the Constitution of the United States is a glorious standard or flag or banner of liberty. (laughs) It is founded in the wisdom of God. It is a heavenly banner. It is to all those who are privileged with the sweets of liberty like the cooling shades and refreshing waters of the great rock in a thirsty and weary land. He's talking about the rock of Horeb. Moses smacked the rock in it. Which, by the way, we know where that is. We know exactly where that is. It's a massive rock on the top of on the top of a hill, and uh, it, there's like water erosion where tons. It wasn't just a trickle of water. Oh my gosh, the the Israelites that were led by Moses, God gave them water. He gave them gushing water. <laughs> Continuing on with this quote. It is like a great tree under whose branches men from every clime can be shielded from the burning rays of the sun. End quote. That's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 147. The Constitution was created for two main purposes. Number one, to control the power and the size of government, because there's checks and balances, and two, to offer protection for its citizens. The prophet Joseph Smith realized this and said, quote, All men who say that Congress has no power to restore and defend the rights of her citizens have not the love of truth abiding in them, end quote. And uh, I don't know where the original source was for that um, for that statement, but Ogden Kraut got it from Political Interpretations of Mormon History by G. Homer Durham. And I think G. Homer Durham was one of the general authorities. Apparently he wrote a book. Anyway, page 137. And we are... 96%. So we're going to get through this and I'm going to be able to put my clothes on and run out the door and go do my driving test and everything will be fine. <coughs> Excuse me. We have learned of the struggle of the early saints in defending the U.S. Constitution and at the same time we have seen politicians subtly destroy it, usurping power and stripping away the wealth of the people. Prophecy abounds describing the final destruction of the American government through the wicked works of the corrupt politicians. We're on page 182, last page. And correspondingly, there are numerous prophecies of the rise of the kingdom of God upon the earth. We are standing at this critical time as witnesses to the first condition and possibly to the second one as well.
So like I said, I'm just dropping a podcast today. I don't have time because of the scheduling conflicts to actually do a live program. But this, uh, it, you know, it's like I'm just glad that I'm able to uh, to do what I've been able to do today. And thank you for listening to the program. I hope everybody has a wonderful evening and we'll be back on Friday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. (laughs) And uh, I'll try to have a live program so that we can have questions and comments if people choose to do that. And, you know, there's usually a chat room available. Like tonight, it's just a podcast dropping. I just don't have time to do the live radio program. So I have about 15 minutes, I think, before I have to leave the house. So I got to get moving. Thank you all for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless and goodbye.